We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 484 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, January 12th, 2023. Hey, great win for our Wizards on Wednesday night. That phrase, great win for our Wizards, is not a phrase that is used often. So when we can use that phrase, we use that phrase. But one of the Wizards' most impressive wins of the season, a 197 win over the Chicago Bulls at Capital One Arena, despite the Wiz being without Bradley Beal, being without Chris Damps Porzingis, being without Daniel Gafford. Uh, all of those guys were out due to injury. Uh, big shot Kuz, clutch Kuz came through. Kyle Kuzma, tie-breaking 28 foot pull-up contested fadeaway three from the right wing for a 197 Wizards lead with 5.7 seconds left in the fourth quarter. I will be talking Wizards later in the show. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. We follow sports so that you don't have to. It's a very simple arrangement that we have. Uh, if only the Commanders had had someone come through in the clutch down the stretch of their now concluded season the way that Clutch Coos came through with that Clutch 3 on Wednesday night. The NFL playoffs begin on Saturday. Super Wild Card Weekend is this weekend, and of course, it does not include the Commanders. There are many reasons for why that is the case. The team's offense would be one of those reasons, and because of that, the team now has an offensive coordinator vacancy. Next segment, I will discuss the Commanders' offensive coordinator vacancy, including what exactly head coach Rod Rivera is looking for in his replacement for the now-fired Scott Turner, and the very notable juxtaposition of last offseason, Scott reportedly getting a three-year contract extension, but just two days into this offseason, Ron firing Scott. Uh, also, I'm going to address the now infamous two-to-one comment from General Manager Martin Mayhew at Tuesday morning's season-ending press conference with Ron. And then after all of that, I will preview what has become an NFL offseason tradition in these parts, a Washington 
quarterback search. Uh, there was a lot said by Ron and Martin on Tuesday morning about last offseason's Washington quarterback surge and the thinking with this offseason's Washington quarterback surge, which to me is the most complicated one yet. I will explain. Boy, wouldn't it be nice to not have a Washington offseason quarterback surge one of these offseasons? Wouldn't it be nice for the team to just, you know, have a true QB1 for multiple seasons? Uh, yeah, maybe one day. Also on the show, in addition to talking Wizards, I'm talking Capitals. Uh, they lost on Wednesday night, a 5-3 loss at the Philadelphia Flyers. And I'm talking Virginia Tech basketball. The Hokies on Wednesday night lost their fifth consecutive game, fell to just 1-5 in the ACC and 82-72 loss at Syracuse. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Thelonious Funk on Ron Rivera. Writes Thelonious as he brings the funk on Don Ron. Here we go. Writes Thelonious. If I were new ownership, I would fire Jason Wright and hire Ron Rivera (laughs) as team president. Ron is a good politician and well-respected in the league, but I do not want him anywhere near day-to-day football operations. Ron is a good leader, but a terrible football coach. He's probably too short-sighted to be a team president, but I'm confident that he can use spell check correctly. I am sure that he can prepare a photo op, not in front of bathrooms. Uh, Ron wasted 11-plus weeks fooling around with Wince and try-hard Tay-Tay. That's 11 weeks lost in Sam Howell's development. Scott Turner's inability to develop any one quarterback to a level to win the NFC East is mind-numbing. Hopefully, Washington gets ownership that's willing to go scorched earth and rebuild this franchise on a fertile foundation. Don't continue to put band-aids on bullet wounds. There's some talent here. The team needs the right guidance and coaching. Thank you for the email, Thelonious. Boy, what must Tryhard Tay-Tay, what must Taylor Heineke be thinking about resigning with the Commanders uh, now that his guy, Scott Turner, has been fired? I mean, Taylor and Scott are homies, right? Uh, Scott was as instrumental as anyone in Washington initially signing Taylor in December 2020 to the practice squad to be, remember, the team's quarantine quarterback. Uh, But Washington is the third NFL team on which Taylor and Scott worked together. Uh, You had the Minnesota Vikings, you had the Carolina Panthers, and then you had Washington. Uh, It already had felt that there was at least a decent chance that Taylor would not be re-signing with the Commanders as an unrestricted free agent. I want the Commanders to re-sign Taylor, but I already was kind of doubting that the team was going to end up re-signing him. Uh, Now with Scott gone, you really have to wonder about the Commanders re-signing Taylor Heineke. Email from Jake Matthews. (laughs) Subject, please stop worshiping your PFF gods. Uh Uh-oh. Writes Jake, I'm a big fan of the show and you're out of the box thinking when it comes to stats and examining football. Wait for it. However, I must say I almost rolled my eyes out of my head when I heard what you said about Sam Howell. Your whole basis for why you think he'll be good is because he was ranked high two years ago in way too early mock drafts and because your precious gods at at PFF had him ranked 34th last year. Really? That's all it takes? 
I always find it funny that you're always saying that PFF rankings aren't the end-all be-all, yet you're always reading PFF stats like they are. If Sam Howell is as good as PFF says he is, why did he last until the fifth round? I mean, is it possible that with another year of tape, draft scouts realized they had him overranked in 2021? I hope that Sam Howell works out, but it is one game. Remember a guy by the name of Matt Flynn? He threw six touchdowns in the snow in the last game of a season for Green Bay years ago, got a nice contract from Seattle the following offseason, then got beat out by Russell Wilson in training camp. My point is that Flynn was not as good as everyone thought that he was based off one good game. I just think that we need to pump the brakes a bit. I get the fan base is starved for a quarterback, but it seems every time we get overexcited about a quarterback, we get let down. Kind regards to you and your family and keep up the good work. Uh, thank you for the email, Jake. Well done. Uh, well, a few things. Uh, regarding pro football focus, you're right. I do say that pro football focus grades are not the be-all, end-all. They are not gospel, and they aren't. Uh, a good example of that, actually, is Deron Payne. Uh, Deron Payne this season, of course, was one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL, but his PFF grades are not very good. Uh, there's actually an interesting explanation for that. Uh, Nick Ackridge, Pro Football Focus senior data analyst and a big Commanders fan, he provided that explanation on episode 352 of this podcast, in case you missed that. But just because something isn't gospel doesn't mean that that something isn't useful. And personally, I find PFF grades to be useful because I think that PFF has a lot of smart people working for it and they understand football. And in case you don't know this, a number of NFL teams use PFF, including, yes, the Commanders. Uh, regarding Sam Howell, look, I mean, this is my perspective and it's a biased one. I don't think that I have been overhyping him. I have never said that I am certain that he's going to be a great quarterback, a franchise quarterback. My take has been that Sam Howell is an intriguing prospect and that he isn't your normal fifth round rookie quarterback, and he isn't. And I'm not the only one who feels this way. A number of NFL draft analysts who I've had on this podcast have been very high on Sam Howell. Uh, former Redskins general manager, Scott McLuhan, he was on this podcast a few months back, episode 317. Uh, he's a big fan of Sam Howell. The Matt Flynn example is a worthy one, no doubt. Uh, that's something that we should always remember when it comes to a quarterback or really anyone player killing it late in an NFL regular season. But, you know, Sam Howell is a rookie. Matt Flynn was not a rookie when he had that game. The Green Bay Packers took Matt Flynn in the seventh round of the 2008 NFL draft. That famous Matt Flynn game was in week 17 of the 2011 season. So that Matt Flynn game was the final game of his fourth NFL season. And the performance was incredible. A 45-41 Packers win over the Detroit Lions. Flynn in that game, 31 of 44 for 480 yards, six touchdowns, and one interception. And yeah, he in the 2012 offseason got the contract from the Seattle Seahawks, but then got beaten out by a 2012 third round pick named Russell Wilson in training camp. And so bringing this back to Sam Howell, think about that 2012 NFL draft. Third round, Russell Wilson. Fourth round, Kirk Cousins. Uh, Sam Howell is a 2022 fifth round pick. It's not inconceivable that he ends up being a good starting quarterback 
in the NFL, maybe even a, dare I say, franchise quarterback. Now, is that likely? No. The overwhelming majority of non-first-round quarterbacks do not end up being even starting quarterbacks, let alone franchise quarterbacks. But if you are our commanders, and you are as desperate as the commanders are for a true QB1, how do you not explore what Sam Howell might be? How do you not be open to the possibility of Sam Howell, of Sam I am being a true QB1? And that's really all that I'm advocating. Be open to the possibility of Sam Howell. Well, Kellen Hunt is what you would call an R-E-A-1. We hope that Sam Howell becomes a true QB1. Kellen Hunt already is an R-E-A-1, a real estate agent one. And he wants to help you take advantage of the current Washington, D.C. area real estate market. Housing prices are coming down due to an increase in inventory caused by the increases in mortgage rates. Uh, With others not buying, now actually is a great time to buy. When everyone else is going one way, you should go the other way. When everyone else is zigging, you should be, yes, zagging, because there are bargain deals for great homes waiting for you. Contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com. Book your call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt understands the Washington, D.C. area real estate market, and he is here for you to listen to what you want, no matter your situation in life. Whether you are a first-time buyer looking for guidance or have a young family looking for a bigger home or you're ready to retire and or are looking to downsize, Kellen Hunt can help you. Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people. He's a great guy and he will listen to you. He's not just some know-it-all. He works for you. He takes in what you're looking for and then gets to work. Smart, attention to detail, creative. Put Kellen Hunt to work for you and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing and he wants to help. Let him help you take advantage of the current real estate market in the Washington, D.C. area. Visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Visit closeitwithkell.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kel. Visit CloseItWithKel.com and tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Who, oh who, will be our commander's next offensive coordinator? Who, oh who, wants to be (laughs) the commander's Next offensive coordinator. Actually, I'm sure that there are plenty of people who want to be the commander's next offensive coordinator. After all, there are only 32 teams in the NFL. But as I talked about on Wednesday's show, episode 483, the commander's offensive coordinator job, not exactly the most appealing offensive coordinator job in the history of offensive coordinator jobs, considering the likely new ownership 
that's coming for the team and thus the potential for everything to get blown up over the next year uh, and the massive quarterback uncertainty and the major offensive line questions and the head coach, Rod Rivera, and the general manager, Martin Mayhew, at their joint season-ending press conference on Tuesday morning, having said that they want a run-oriented offense. I mean, if you are a young, rising, forward-thinking NFL offensive mind, how pumped are you to try to get this commander's offensive coordinator job? But here's the thing. If you are a young, rising, forward-thinking NFL offensive mind, it may well be that the commanders don't want you. Given that there is extreme pressure on Ron Rivera to have a good 2023 season, assuming that he's going to be the commander's head coach for the 2023 season, and I think that he is, and given that Ron and Martin Mayhew want this run-oriented offense, want a true commitment to the formula, uh, a commitment that Ron did not feel that he got from Scott Turner, who Ron fired as offensive coordinator on Tuesday. It may well be that what Ron is looking for is an experienced, old-school offensive coordinator. Uh, Think, say, former Indianapolis Colts and former Detroit Lions head coach Jim Caldwell. Uh, Think Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator Greg Roman, Uh, although there certainly are new school aspects to what he has been doing with the Ravens. You know, there already has been some buzz about the commanders potentially being interested in Roman if the Ravens part with him. Uh, In other words, don't expect Ron Rivera to be interviewing, say, fired Arizona Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury for the commander's offensive coordinator job. Don't expect to see the air raid offense with the commanders. I would love to see the commanders go air raid, but uh, I'm not expecting that. Uh, By the way, this two to one thing, uh, out of all of the things that Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew at that press conference on Tuesday morning said about wanting the commanders to have a run-oriented offense, the two-to-one thing from Martin seems to be the thing that is stuck with people the most. Uh, the two-to-one thing is Martin saying that the commanders in their season-ending 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this past Sunday had a two-to-one run-to-pass ratio and that he would love to see that in every commander's game. Uh, here was Martin saying this on Tuesday morning. As you saw this last game, we were two to one run pass. You know, for every time that we threw the ball, we ran the ball twice. That's, that's how we want to play. Okay, so there was the two to one thing. Uh, on Wednesday's show, did a whole segment on the disturbing and troubling and spine-chilling nature of the offensive philosophy that uh, was espoused by Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew on Tuesday morning. I'm not going to redo that uh, dissertation now, but I am going to say a few things about the two-to-one thing, which I did not address on Wednesday's show. Uh, First of all, the two-to-one, or thereabouts, run-to-pass ratio for the commanders in their win over the Cowboys especially annoyed me, because Sam Howell, who was making his NFL regular season debut, and who played well, especially given the circumstances and whose development and potential are big deals for our franchise quarterback needy commanders, finished with just 19 pass attempts. The commanders for this game were without their top three running backs due to injury. Brian Robinson Jr., Antonio Gibson, and J.D. McKissick were all out. 
running backs Jarrett Patterson, Jonathan Williams, and Reggie Bonifin ended up combining for 34 carries. With the Commanders playing for nothing from a standing standpoint, and with Sam Howell making his NFL regular season debut and playing well, and with his development and potential being big deals for our franchise quarterback needy Commanders, did we really need to see Jarrett Patterson, Jonathan Williams, and Reggie Bonifin combined for 34 carries? I mean, who cares, really? All due respect to Jarrett Patterson, Jonathan Williams, and Reggie Bonifin, but that game was all about Sam Howell, and he ended up with just 19 pass attempts. So that's the first thing that makes me laugh about the two-to-one thing. Then, of course, there is the reason that the commanders finished with a run-to-pass ratio of two-to-one or thereabouts. And I talked about this phenomenon on Wednesday's show. I'm not going to repeat everything right now, but very often, accumulating a lot of rushing attempts in a game is the result of leading in the game, especially in the second half during which you're trying to kill clock. Jarrett Patterson, Jonathan Williams, and Reggie Bonifant on Sunday combined for 34 carries. 20 of the 34 carries came in the second half when the commanders were sitting on a big fat lead and were just trying to kill clock. 20 of the 34 carries in the second half. The run-to-pass ratio ended up being a function of the commanders leading in the second half. So when Martin Mayhew says that ideally the commanders have two-to-one run-to-pass ratios in games, I don't know if he realizes this or not, but what he's really saying is that he wants the commanders to have leads in games, especially in the second halves of games. And to that I say, you're here. I want that too. I think that we all want that. What frightens me (laughs) is that I don't know if Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew completely get that the accumulation of rushing attempts so often is a function of having leads. That a big reason that so many teams with good records have so many rushing attempts is that those teams so often are playing with leads. But back to the commander's offensive coordinator vacancy. Uh, It is a vacancy that was created, of course, via Ron Rivera on Tuesday firing Scott Turner. I had this thought. So the commander's last offseason, as you likely know, reportedly signed Scott to a three-year contract extension. Think about this. What does it say that Ron Rivera last offseason thought enough of Scott Turner to sign him to a three-year contract extension, but then just two days into this offseason fired Scott? Like, if Ron thought enough of Scott to sign him to a three-year contract extension last offseason, then shouldn't Ron have been committed to Scott beyond a 2022 season in which the quarterback for whom Ron traded, Carson Wentz, struggled, and the offensive line that Ron put together struggled? And understand, I'm not arguing that Scott should not have been fired. What I'm doing is pointing out a lack of congruity in Ron's actions. Speaking of lack of congruity, the commanders last offseason traded for a guy in Carson Wentz who is known for having a big arm and for being a good deep ball thrower. The commanders last offseason spent big money on a contract extension for a receiver in Terry McLaurin. 
The Commanders last offseason spent a first-round pick on a receiver in Jahan Dodson and spent a fifth-round pick on a pass-catching tight end in Cole Turner. Uh, The Commanders last offseason re-signed a pass-catching running back in J.D. McKissick. So the team's actions from the 2022 offseason very much suggested that the team was planning on leaning on its passing game in the 2022 season. And yet now, all that we're hearing is how Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew wanted a run-oriented offense. And Scott Turner wasn't complying. Again, lack of congruity. You know, Ron, over the course of his three seasons as Washington head coach, has changed his mind on a number of things. Heck, do you remember what a big theme from last year's season-ending joint press conference with Martin Mayhew was. A big theme was that Cole Holcomb would not be the team's Mike linebacker moving forward. (laughs) And yet, who ended up being the team's Mike linebacker this season when he was healthy? You got it, Cole Holcomb. Look, you're allowed to change your mind, but there's an element to all of this that reeks of, dude, make up your mind. And if your mind is so often changed, what does that say about your conviction in any of these things? Well, something in which you can have great conviction is the Hiatus app. Hiatus is a personal financial management app that allows you to take full control of your money. Hiatus creates a comprehensive view of your bills, utilities, and subscriptions. Hiatus monitors trends, watches for increases in your bills, and alerts you if any rate changes are coming. Uh, Also, you with Hiatus can gain access to hands-on money experts who can negotiate your bills down and provide you with financial advice. And you with Hiatus can create custom budgets. Hiatus is terrific. Uh, Do yourself a favor. Download the Hiatus app and see what the Hiatus app can do for you. Uh, You can download the Hiatus app right now from the App Store, from Google Play, or by going to hiatusapp.com. Hiatus, money-saving, made easy. So here we are again, a Washington offseason in which the team is embarking on a quarterback search, but this time the search is as complicated as ever, given a number of items. Uh, A, the team is for sale. And while the head coach and the coach-centric approach, Rod Rivera, seems pretty set to be back for a fourth season as Washington head coach, what's being set up for Ron in the 2023 season is as make or break of a season as an NFL head coach will ever have. Uh, B, the team on Tuesday fired its offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, and a major reason for the firing was a clash of offensive philosophies between Rod Rivera and Scott Turner. And hours before the firing became official on Tuesday was a season-ending joint press conference for Ron and general manager Martin Mayhew, at which Ron and Martin championed the commanders having a run-oriented offense. Uh, Not exactly the kind of messaging that entices young, bright, forward-thinking, quarterback-friendly offensive minds to line up for a crack at the commander's offensive coordinator job. C, the team is coming off an exhaustive 2022 quarterback search that resulted 
in a trade for Carson Wentz that ended up being a flop. So yeah, all of this clouds the commander's quarterback search in the 2023 offseason, begging the question, now what for the commanders at quarterback? Their top two quarterbacks from this season may soon be gone. Uh, The team is going to be releasing Carson in the coming weeks. Uh, Meantime, Taylor Heineke is set to be an unrestricted free agent. You know, each guy this week on his Instagram has posted what has seemed like a goodbye message. Uh, The only two quarterbacks who the commanders have under contract for the 2023 season are Sam Howell and Jake Brom, who the team on Monday re-signed to a reserve future contract. It certainly feels like the commanders will be doing something significant at quarterback this offseason, i.e. they will be acquiring a potential QB1. Uh, We know the three main offseason paths for acquiring a quarterback, right? Free agency, a trade, and the NFL draft. Personally, I would prefer the route of the NFL draft for a variety of reasons. Uh, You get a guy who's young, you get a guy who has upside, you get a guy who has low mileage on his body, you get a guy who is under the terms of a rookie contract. Uh, Free agency or trade would involve getting a veteran quarterback who is older, who is more of a known entity, who has mileage on his body, if not a significant injury history, uh, who is potentially costly. And by costly, I mean both in terms of salary and potentially in terms of compensation to another team if you have to trade for the guy. Veteran quarterback acquisitions certainly can work. Uh, We have seen that in recent NFL history, right? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers signing Tom Brady in the 2020 offseason worked spectacularly. Uh, The Los Angeles Rams trading for Matthew Stafford in the 2021 offseason worked spectacularly. But this past offseason was a screaming (laughs) indictment of veteran quarterback acquisitions. This really was something. The Denver Broncos trading for Russell Wilson, total bust. The Indianapolis Colts trading for Matt Ryan, total bust. The Carolina Panthers trading for Baker Mayfield, total bust. The Cleveland Browns trading for Deshaun Watson. Uh, He only played in six games due to his suspension, but he did not play well. Except, of course, in the second half of the commander's loss to the Browns at FedEx Field in Week 17. But I digress. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers signing Mitch Trubisky. He struggled and got benched. The Atlanta Falcons signing Marcus Mariota. He struggled and got benched. And, oh yeah, (laughs) the commander's trading for Carson Wentz. That, shall we say, did not work out. This was Ron Rivera at the season-ending press conference on Tuesday morning on if he needs to reevaluate the process by which the team ended up trading for Carson Wentz. Well, looking at the process, and you know, which I have done, gone back and looked at, I, I think all the stuff that we got was the stuff that you need in terms of evaluations. You know, it's just sometimes there are some things that are unforeseen. I mean, again, we didn't expect you know Fitz to, to go down after 16 plays, you know, in, in 2021, um, and we didn't. You know, we had a formula we wanted to use, and we didn't use it initially. And once we got to it, then we started to have the success. But you know, by then. Carson was, uh, you know, he was out with the injury. 
Okay, did you catch the dig from Ron Rivera at Scott Turner? Quote, we had a formula we wanted to use, and we didn't use it initially. And once we got to it, then we started to have the success. End quote. Uh, Once again, the formula. But you also heard Ron Rivera bring up Carson Wentz's injury. Uh, Yeah, that's not why the trade did not work out. Carson, over the commander's first six games of the regular season, was not good. Uh, He suffered the fractured right ring finger in the win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football in week six. He got a second chance as the team's QB1 with his start in what ended up being the oh-so-crushing loss to the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field in Week 17, and he, of course, was terrible in that game. Bringing up Carson's injury as the reason or a reason that the Carson Wentz trade did not work out is, I suppose, trying to be nice to Carson, but the injury is only part of Carson Wentz's season. Ryan Fitzpatrick's lone season with Washington was ruined by injury. That is true. Season-ending and ultimately career-ending right hip subluxation in the loss to the Los Angeles Chargers at FedEx Field in week one of the 2021 season. We'll never know what kind of a 2021 season that Fitzpatrick would have had for Washington. We do know what kind of a 2022 season that Carson Wentz had for the Commanders. It was not good. And so, 2021, the Ryan Fitzpatrick signing did not work out. 2022, the Carson Wentz trade did not work out. This was Martin Mayhew on Tuesday morning on if the veteran quarterback route, having not worked for Washington in each of the last two seasons now, potentially impacts the team's quarterback pursuit this offseason. Well, you know... You pretty much have to enter every season and look at the entire landscape of what's available. And I thought we did a really good job of that last year. You know, um, we talked about drafting guys. We talked about who we could trade for. And we talked about free agents. And we went through the entire process of all those guys and did a very thorough evaluation. We will do the same thing this year. We're not going to rule out acquiring a, a, a vet. Uh, we'll, we'll go through the entire landscape of who's available. We'll evaluate them and we'll get to a consensus on somebody. And I liked what Martin Mayhew said in that cut from a standpoint of not allowing previous failed veteran quarterback acquisitions to dictate the quarterback pursuit this offseason. Each quarterback scenario is its own entity. Just because other veteran quarterback acquisitions have not worked out doesn't mean that a veteran quarterback acquisition this offseason can't work out. However, once again, I, for the commanders this offseason, would prefer the quarterback route that is the NFL draft, especially considering that the 2023 draft is supposed to be a quarterback-rich draft. But the Commanders only have the number 16 pick in the first round of the 2023 draft. Will a quarterback who they really like be available to them at 16 or be available at a spot to which the Commanders realistically can trade up to take that quarterback? This was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on how aggressive the commanders can be in making a trade for a quarterback this offseason. Well, I think the biggest thing, more so than anything else, is, you know, if we do like we did last year, we look at what the possibilities are, and one of the scenarios came up, and you got to be willing to pull the trigger. And, you know, as I alluded earlier, Martin did a great job in terms of that. We had talked about what the potential was, and as it started to come fruition, we, we did it. 
and we'll do the same thing. I think we'll we'll take a look at what the situations mm-hmm. are, what they could be. You know, we went through the scenarios. Uh, we presented them to each other, talked about them, and the scenario that we thought was going to happen actually did. And and that was one of the cool things that we were you know we had gone through that and prepared ourselves for it. Yeah, well, that was cool, but the results were not cool. And then there's this. If you are Ron Rivera and you are headed into a make-or-break 2023 season, is your quarterback plan really going to be Sam Howell and a rookie, and maybe Taylor Heineke if he even resigns with you? Like, if you're Ron and you absolutely need to have a good 2023 season in order to keep your job, are you not more inclined to roll the dice once again on a veteran quarterback and hope that this time that approach works? I mean, I don't like saying that, but looking at the situation, surveying the scene, examining the landscape, how do you not think that? But I tell you what. If you're like me and are a fan of the team, is it maybe actually better for Ron to go the veteran quarterback route and not take a quarterback in the first round of the 2023 draft? Because there's a really good chance that Ron, after the 2023 season, heck, maybe even during the 2023 season, is going to be fired by new ownership. And so what would be best would be for the next football operations regime to spend a first-round pick on a quarterback. There is so much to be thinking about with this commander's quarterback situation, and as is usually the case with our team, the situation isn't simple. What about the man who was the commander's starting quarterback for their season-ending 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on Sunday, Sam Howell? Uh, How about this? This came out on Wednesday. That bomb that Sam threw to receiver Terry McLaurin, final snap, of the third quarter, first and 10 for the Commanders at their 33. Sam, a 52-yard shotgun completion to Terry on a great throw down the right sideline. Uh, That throw for the NFL's next-gen stats went for 60 air yards, most air yards for a completion by a Washington quarterback since next-gen stats began in 2016. How about that? And yes, that is a major indictment of the team's quarterback situation during that time. But also, yes, that is a major credit to Sam Howell. Uh, Martin Mayhew on Tuesday morning on how he views Sam Howell's performance against the Cowboys as a data point. Very small sample, but yes, that's that's a great point. We we compare it with what's going to be available. What we've seen in practice from him has been very good. Uh, It translated very well to the game. Uh, which that has not always been the case um, with, with with other players in the past. He practiced very well throughout the season. We gave him an opportunity late, and he went in and played the way that he practiced. And he's just got a very, very calm demeanor. Um, the guy has the right attitude. He's got a very quiet confidence about him. Uh, and it, and it's, it's promising, and it's good to have uh, uh, Sam as an option as we move forward. And we're talking through what the other alternatives are right now. And I thought that it was telling that Martin Mayhew said, quote, it's good to have Sam as an option, end quote. Translation, Sam Howell will be part of our quarterback mix for 2023, but he will not be the centerpiece of that mix. 
I still go back to Sam not playing in the regular season until the commander's final game. A game, remember, for which Rod Rivera's initial plan was to start Taylor Heineke and then bring in Sam in a relief role because Ron was that concerned about Sam's readiness. Is what happened with Sam Howell, him not making his NFL regular season debut until week 18, despite the team's quarterback problems. Him initially not even being set to start the week 18 game due to Ron Rivera's concerns, but then Sam doing quite well in that week 18 game. Another instance of quarterback misjudgment by Ron Rivera and his crew. Or was Sam Howell truly not ready to play in an NFL regular season game until late in the season? We'll never know the answer, But how do you not wonder if the Commanders would be in the playoffs right now if the team had gone to Sam Howell sooner? What is it exactly that this regime wants at quarterback? The regime's quarterback judgment clearly is in question. Martin Mayhew on Tuesday morning on what he's looking for at the quarterback position. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the guy has to be a, a, a leader. He has to have arm strength. He has to have an NFL caliber arm. Um, he has to be uh, a, a guy that can create off schedule that, you know, when things break down, he can make something happen that's positive. Um, and that, that's what we're looking for in that in that position. And uh, some guys have some of those attributes that are stronger than others, but you have to have the complete the complete package, you know. Um, and it really, again, it, the quarterback is one person on the field um, obviously a very critical position touches the ball every single play but what you have around him is really so important you know uh, what kind of weapons do you have for him what kind of defense do you have if he is he playing from behind a lot um, is he able to get into a rhythm and stay on the field uh, or is the other team running the ball I mean the first couple of games I think we were giving up about seven and a half yards of carry the first two games so we weren't able to get on the field and stay on the field consistently the other teams were driving the ball on us and keeping us off the field we couldn't get into any type of rhythm you know so all those things come into play and uh, uh, it's difficult for one guy to come in and completely flip everything that's hard to do uh it's you have to have complementary football where you where you the defense helps out the offense uh the offense stays on the field keeps the other off, other offense off the field all those things are 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 needed to be successful um and when we when we play with that formula when those things happened we had we had we play well um and, and when we weren't able to those were the games that we didn't play as well in and there was that phrase again the formula <laughs> You know what's funny about the Carson Wentz trade ultimately being a flop is that there isn't some obvious other thing that the commanders should have done at quarterback this past offseason. As I outlined earlier this segment, so many of the veteran quarterback acquisitions from the 2022 offseason ended up not working out. Uh, I mean, Jacoby Brissett played pretty well for the Cleveland Browns during Deshaun Watson's suspension. I suppose that you could say that in hindsight, the commanders should have signed Brissett, uh, who the Browns signed as an unrestricted free agent this past March. But I mean, nobody was campaigning for the commanders to sign Jacoby Brissett. The what if move that I wonder about is Kenny Pickett, who got better as the 2022 regular season went on. The Pittsburgh Steelers took Pickett with the number 20 pick in the 2022 NFL draft. The commanders passed on taking Pickett in the first round of the 2022 draft. They could have had him. They chose not to take him. Maybe that was the right call, but then again, maybe not. But yeah, here we are 
again, another Washington offseason quarterback search. And this search is maybe the most complicated and unclear search yet. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, we on Wednesday night had something that we had not had much of lately, a regulation loss for the Capitals. Uh, the Caps fell to 23-15-6 with a 5-3 loss at the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, this was the Caps' second regulation loss in three games, so you could say, hey, Galdi, we just had a Caps regulation loss, and that is true, but this loss on Wednesday night also was just the Caps' second regulation loss in 12 games. Uh, the Caps were down 4-1 in the third period. The 5-on-5 puck possession battle was about even, but the Caps per natural stat trick had just 7 5-on-5 high-danger shot attempts to the Flyers' 16. Also, the Caps committed 6 minor penalties to the Flyers' 1. And special teams ended up being not so special for our Caps. Uh, the Caps went just 4-6 on the penalty kill and went 0-1 on the power play. Here was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his post-game session with reporters on Wednesday night. You know, the penalties early on in the game it takes away from the 5-on-5 and the the sink on the bench and the rhythm on the bench and you know you're using all your penalty killers and your poor play guys are not getting out there regularly and in uh, the third I, you know I thought we kept fighting back in the third I, we had a chance to tie that game and just didn't get it done so that's that's frustrating but um, there's things that we did where we you know, shot ourselves in the foot. Yeah, the Caps on Wednesday night spent way too much time on the penalty kill. Uh, got carved up by Flyers winger Travis Konechny. Uh, he had a hat trick. He had a first period even strength goal, a third period shorthanded goal, and a third period power play empty net goal. Uh, yes, the rare power play empty net goal. Uh, the cap starting goaltender was Darcy Kemper. He stopped just 31 of the 35 shots on goal that he faced. Kemper, per natural stat trick, stopped nine of the 11 high danger shots on goal that he faced. That's pretty good, but he also gave up two goals on low danger shots on goal. Uh, winger Alex Ovechkin 
did go pointless and did commit a first period tripping minor, but he did have a team high six shots on goal and a game high tying nine total shot attempts. And Ovi finished number four on the caps in five on five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 59.57. The caps with Ovechkin on the ice in five on five situations in the game had 28 shot attempts versus allowing 19 shot attempts. Also center Nicholas Backstrom in just his second game of the season had the primary assist on winger TJ Oshie's third period even strength goal. It was good to see that. Uh, the Caps also got even strength goals from wingers Garnett Hathaway and Marcus Johansson. Uh, Caps remained without defensemen John Carlson and forwards Connor Brown and Carl Hagelin due to injury. Next up for the Caps is another game against the Flyers, home to the Flyers, Saturday night at 7. So the Capitals on Wednesday night had a loss, but the Wizards on Wednesday night had a win. A really good and much-needed win. The Wizards snapped the three-game losing streak and improved to 18-24 and with a 197 win over the Chicago Bulls at Capital One Arena. Uh, the Wizards for this game were ultra-depleted. Bradley Beal, Chris Amps, Porzingis, and Daniel Gafford all were out. Uh, Beal did not play for a third consecutive game due to his low-grade left hamstring strain. Porzingis did not play due to a right rib contusion, and Gafford did not play due to a sprained right ankle that he suffered in the Wizards' previous game, the 132-112 loss to the New Orleans Pelicans at Capital One Arena on Monday night. The Bulls were without DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball due to injury. This was a comeback win for the Wizards. They overcame a 16-point third-quarter deficit. The Wizards won the third quarter 41-21. That third quarter for the Wizards on Wednesday night was maybe their best quarter of the season. Uh, Monte Morris in that third quarter scored 15 of the Wizards' 41 points. He finished the game with 17 points and three assists versus one turnover in 28 minutes, 34 seconds as a starter. He went one of three on three, six of 10 on twos, and two of two on free throws. Kyle Kuzma. Uh, he made just one three the entire game, but the three was a big one. Uh, a tie-breaking 28-foot pull-up contested fadeaway three from the right wing for a 197 Wizards lead with 5.7 seconds left in the fourth quarter. What a shot by Kyle Kuzma. Uh, he on Wednesday night in 37 minutes, 44 seconds as a starter. Went just one of four on threes, but also eight of 16 on twos and two of three on free throws. And he finished with 21 points, four rebounds, three assists versus two turnovers, and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 11. The Wizards won the game despite scoring just 13 points in the fourth quarter. The Wizards lost the fourth quarter 17-13, but won the game. This was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his post-game press conference on Wednesday night. Thankfully, they only scored 17. <laughs> um, you know, it, some nights, you know, it's going to be tough to, you know, score in those situations, but I felt like we got every 50-50 ball, um, you know, got stops when we needed them, and, you know, made play after play. Obviously, Kuz is a shot. It's a heck of a shot, but... Um, to get stops, you know, when we needed them, I think was the most important thing. Yeah, plenty of heroes for the Wizards on Wednesday night. I've mentioned Monte Morris and Kyle Kuzma. How about Denny Avdia? What a game for Denny on Wednesday night. 
34 minutes, 48 seconds as a starter. He had a career-high 20 rebounds. Yeah, 20 boards for Denny on Wednesday night. Denny was Dennis Rodman on Wednesday night. Uh, he went 1-2 on threes, 2-4 on twos, and 2-2 two two on free throws. Also finished with 9 points and 3 assists. Did commit 4 turnovers. Uh, also, Anthony Gill. He on Wednesday night in just 22 minutes, 37 seconds off the bench, had 18 points and four rebounds, including three offensive boards. He went 0-2 on threes, but 7-9 of on twos and 4-5 of on free throws. Uh, the Wizards held the Bulls to just 9-29 of on threes. Did get worked by Zach Levine. Uh, he finished with 38 points. Also, the Wizards went just 7-23 on threes, but the Wiz outscored the Bulls in the paint 54-50, and the Wizards totaled 21 free throw attempts to the Bulls' nine and outscored the Bulls in terms of free throw points, 17-6. So the Wizards did a good job of getting to the free throw line and did a really good job of defending without fouling. Impressive win for the Wizards. A good job for the Wiz. Uh, more from Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night. That was the message. You know, it's just... Um you can't get outworked. We're already undermanned. You, you can't get outworked. And I thought, particularly in that second half, but um, throughout the game, we made plays like that where we were able to um, you know, come up with those those type of possessions. It has nothing to do with scheme. It's got nothing to do with um, you know, where guys are. It's just a, it's a will. And I thought we made more of those plays uh, tonight. Yes, sir. Next up for the Wizards, home to the New York Knicks, Friday night at 7. Some college basketball for you. Another loss for Virginia Tech. Uh, the Hokies now have lost five consecutive games. Tech fell to 11 and six overall, and just one and five in the ACC. And 82-72 loss at Syracuse on Wednesday night. Uh, the Hokies went a horrendous three of 19 on threes and allowed Syracuse to go eight of 16 on threes. You know, the best way to contend with the vaunted Syracuse zone defense is to shoot over the zone, right? That phrase has been used so many times over the years. How do you beat a zone? You shoot over the zone, uh, i.e. you make threes. Uh, well, uh, three of 19 on threes isn't going to cut it. Uh, Sean Padula in 40 minutes as a starter, just a two of 11 on threes, uh, also went just one of four on twos. He did finish with 10 points, seven assists versus two turnovers, six rebounds, and two steals. Uh, we finally had the Hokies debut of Rodney Rice. Uh, Rodney Rice, very highly touted freshman, a four-star freshman who went to DeBatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland. Uh, he had not played this season due to injury. He on Wednesday night in 29 minutes off the bench went 0-5 on threes and just 1-4 of on twos. He scored just two points. He did have three steals and four rebounds. Uh, the Hokies did get some good performances from Grant Basile and Justin Mutz. Uh, Basile, the graduate student transfer from Wright State, big game for him. He, in just 27 minutes as a starter, had 26 points and 10 rebounds, including five offensive boards. He went 101 on threes, 11 of 16 on twos and 101 on free throws. And Justin Mutz, he in 38 minutes as a starter, 9 of 15 from the field, all twos, three of three on free throws. He finished with 21 points, nine assists versus four turnovers, four rebounds, and two steals. It's tricky with the Hokies because it's not like they have been terrible in these games. But like I said, five consecutive losses and now just one and five 
in the ACC. Next up for Virginia Tech at number 13, Virginia, Wednesday night, January 18th at 7. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 485, will be a special show. I'm going to welcome on my good friend, Kevin Sheehan, the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast and the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980. And we're going to conduct our own state of the commanders. Head coach Rod Rivera and general manager Martin Mayhew on Tuesday morning had their say with their season-ending press conference. Kevin and I will have our say on Friday's show. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. As you saw this last game, we were two to one run pass. You know, for every time that we threw the ball, we ran the ball twice. That's, that's how we want to play.